Hi there, and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex for BTN.com, and this episode is another instance of me taking advantage of some of the great hires we've made here at BTN, especially recently. A couple weeks ago, I had Braylon Edwards on the show, and he's one of our new college football analysts this year, if you haven't noticed. And this week, I got another one of our brand new college football analysts to appear on our airwaves to come on this show, and it's Corey Wooten. The name sounds familiar, especially if you are a Northwestern or NFL fan. If you're a Northwestern fan, you definitely know Corey. And if you're an NFL fan, especially a Chicago Bears fan, you likely know Corey Wooten and know that name as well. Corey's a former D lineman for both Northwestern and the Chicago Bears, and his career didn't end all that long ago. He's only 30, so I'm sure he's fresh in the minds of many of my Illinois and Chicago-based listeners and probably a lot of NFL fans out there as well. Uh, he was on some really good Bear teams, and really, he was on the last good Bears teams we've seen in Chicago after the whole Mark Tressman debacle and ongoing slog through the John Fox era. So besides our obvious reflection on Corey's time with the Wildcats, we got into a lot of Chicago Bears talk as well, which, you know, for a Bears fan like me, was a lot of fun. I hope with, uh, you know, listeners out there, based all over the country and the world that at least with a franchise like the Chicago Bears that um, is prone to disaster and prone to mishaps you'll at least find it interesting as well because we do poke fun at a lot of the uh, locker room dynamics that went on there when Corey was on that squad so um, if you needed any more input of how that locker room and some of those guys felt about Jay Cutler and some of the other personalities that we've seen go through those doors at Hallis Hall in the last five to eight years. You'll definitely want to listen in. And Corey's a great guy as well, and the whole discussion was a lot of fun. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But before we get to it, just a couple of reminders. First, please subscribe to Take 10 Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean, and please leave a rating review if you like the show and you haven't already. And also, uh, one more reminder that you can take 10% off your order through the Take 10 podcast on the BTN store by going to btn.com, finding the shop tab, picking out one of the many team-branded items they have, and applying the coupon code TAKE10. That's T-A-K-E-1-0. And uh, you can do this to save a little money on some early holiday shopping or on that birthday present that's probably already belated, or if you just want to want to treat yourself out there, you know. It's treat yourself season, so uh, take advantage of that coupon code, take 10, T-A-K-E-1-0, and take 10% off your order. So without further ado, we'll get to our discussion with former Northwestern Wildcat and Chicago Bear, Corey Wooten. I'm very pleased to be joined here uh, by former Northwestern and Chicago Bears, D lineman, Corey Wooten. Corey's now an analyst us here at BTN as well. Welcome on, Corey. Thanks for joining me, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, you were on the Bears. It seems like I was just watching you on the Bears and in the NFL, and it wasn't that long ago that uh, you retired. You stepped away from the game in 2016. Still relatively young. You're, what, 30 now? Yep, 30 years 30. Old. So uh, what went into that decision to step away from the game, you know, really at a time when, um, you know, some players are in their primes? So I was in my sixth year, and uh, I tore my pec in preseason when I played for the Lions and <clears throat> had surgery. And then I had my daughter uh, right before training camp. 
So when I was rehabbing, I was spending every day with her. I loved it. I kind of didn't want to play football anymore. It kind of it kind of made me realize what's really important: sure. family, being being around, and you know all the brain studies they had. You know, my goal was never to play 15 years in the league. You know, I wanted to play anywhere from six to eight, and um, you know, do something that I love, just like being a, being an analyst here, which I love. So, you know, my daughter and my family was a big reason for that. So, what have you been up to since stepping away from the game? Uh, obviously, you're with us here uh, on Fridays at BTN. Where are you living now? What are you, what are you up to uh, those other six days of the week? So I live in St. Louis. That's where my wife's from. Um, we do investment properties out there. We did five flips out there. So we're kind of living that HGTV lifestyle. Yeah. And then also I've done work with Sky Sports the past two weeks, going back and forth between here and London. So it's been a great experience uh, just doing that and uh, just enjoying family time, working out a lot. I'm a gym rat. You know, a lot of people when they're done playing stop working out, but uh a guy like myself and a guy like Braylon, uh, you know, my, my uh, co-show host, uh, we, we both love to work out and get in the gym. Yeah, some people uh, lose that physique once they uh, leave the NFL. You and Braylon walking down these halls, that's, that's definitely <laughs> not the case. What are you doing for, for Sky Sports over in London? So basically, basically the same kind of thing here, yeah. uh, working, working as an analyst for them, um, you know, part-time. Uh, possibly you'll be back again in, in next month in December, but kind of breaking down the NFL games over there. So bringing American sports to Exactly. To and they, they have they have a great following over there. And uh, they basically what they do over there is like a red zone for the U.K. Sure. Basically, we break down all the games, live action. We do the pre-show, during, you know, commercial breaks. They come into the Sky Sports studio, and we talk about what happened, different plays, go on the touchscreen, plays that st- stood out. So it's pretty cool. So you're probably, you're like 6'7", you know, Almost, you know, 280, 290. What's 300, that? yeah. 300, yeah. What's that, what's that like walking around one of those old uh, European cities like London? Kind of, It's kind of cramped a bit. Oh, there's, there's, there's actually a lot of tall people, but not really? people my size. Yeah, not quite. Not 300 pounds, but everyone always says, you're an American football player, because uh, obviously it, it stands out. You know, soccer is their big thing over there. Uh, but they have such a such a great following, and it's funny to see people, like, stare in amazement because there's not that many big muscular guys out there you got the uh the flipping houses going on flipping properties you got this broadcasting what kind of i guess if you had to choose or or if you are actually you know close to planning out your life are you gonna like choose one or the other or are you gonna keep kind of weighing your options and and doing both are you gonna maybe pursue broadcasting uh have it take up more of your time going forward yeah i would love to have broadcasting take up majority of my time you know if I, if I had a choice I would you know, five days a week if I could yeah. but you know starting out you kind of have to work your way up and and work your work your way to, to what you need to do uh the guys that have been here guys like Howard and Jerry you know they work right. their way up they're great at what they do and you know you see them on the on the shows four to five times a week so eventually I want to get to in their spot but right now um, I enjoy the balance of doing both sure but I would love if if uh you know I was four or five times a week I'd say oh the house flipping thing could take a seat on the side but I could also do it at the same time because I have a great contractor that I trust, and I'm able to leave the project and let him organize everything for me. All right, so New Jersey guy, how did you uh, end up at Northwestern playing for, for Coach Fitzgerald? So basically it came down to Boston College and Northwestern. I wanted to go to a good academic school. I knew a lot of people that went to Boston College, so I kind of wanted to venture out, see what the Midwest was about, see what Chicago was about, and I couldn't be happier with the decision uh, lifelong friends that I met there, great experience playing in the Big Ten. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I had a great education. Um, it was really, really a top 
first class experience. Yeah, you talk about first class. You know, everyone knows Northwestern, not only for you know good football and good basketball teams now, but as a as a great academic school. Um, obviously, you're a smart dude if you went to Northwestern. Uh, so, with that Northwestern degree, how much smarter are you than me right now? <laughs> well, I, I I think it just depends. You know, obviously Northwestern's a great school, and you, you know you you have to be intelligent to get in there. But um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm smarter than you. You're probably smarter than me. Who who knows? You know, I guess we have to take the IQ test and, and settle yeah, that. Yeah. But you know, it is a prestigious university, and and, for sure. and going for jobs and. A lot of my friends that you know didn't make it to the league or are done with the league and, and are uh, you know in the workforce, it was very easy for them to get jobs just because playing football, getting good grades, and going to Northwestern, people really respect and admire that. Yeah, in all seriousness, I feel like talking to Northwestern football players and basketball players it seems like they all like not saying that other Big Ten schools don't have this, but the athletes there, there's always some other hobby or interest or some sort of intellectual activity that they're taking on outside. And I, I assume that comes from Northwestern. I definitely because there's a lot of guys that could have went to bigger, bigger schools, yeah. the more prestigious football schools. Sure. But I think people realize the importance. Like the NFL is not for long, and everyone wants to make that. But the average career, I think, is under three years now. So you have to have that long-term plan, that that second career plan. And a lot of guys, um, you know, don't don't have that. And I think Northwestern really preaches that, and their graduation rate speaks for itself. Things like that. Getting back to that a little bit, um, I know you mentioned you stepped away from the game because you had injuries, and you know, family factored into that decision. But could you have kept playing if you wanted to? If like the whole CTE scare wasn't in the back of your head, and, and if um, you know, like you said, if it hadn't taken such a toll on your body, you think you could have kept playing in the league? I think if if my daughter we didn't have my daughter, I think I would still be playing. Yeah. You know, I still had a lot in the tank. Um, you know, I probably could have played another five years. Honestly, uh, that was the best I ever ever felt. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was recovering from my pec, I was I was training and getting back into it, and I was like, man, I feel good. I feel like college again. Sure. But the, the part of me was like, I feel so good now, and I want to keep it that way and, and longevity. And you think about running with my daughter and things like that. And who knows, in the NFL, you're one injury away from being effective for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll shift it right back to Northwestern. Uh, I want to get into your time there a little bit more. Coach, coach Fitzgerald's uh, obviously still there, and he was your coach throughout your entire career. So, first of all, I feel like it's rare that I talk to guys on this podcast and, and their coach at the Big Ten school is still there. So, yeah. this is cool. So, give me your favorite uh, Coach Fitzgerald moment, and don't be afraid to embarrass him a little bit. Okay, Coach Fitz moment. Oh, man, there's so many, to be honest. I would say the, the biggest thing that, that, that stands out to me is just how he, how when he first got there, and he still is that way today, but he would be chasing people down the field in practice. Like if we ever defensive line, we were loafing, or the old line we were loafing, he would chase us down the field. I yeah. remember one time he pulled his hamstring. He was like getting treatment <laughs> just because he was such he was a young, energetic you coach. Yeah. You know, I think I think now maybe he's a little slower down the field than he used to be, but uh, I think he still does the same thing. And he brings that energy, and and that's what guys respect. And I think that's why he recruits so well. Is people respect and admire his intensity, his integrity. Things like that, and I, I love to have him as a coach, and I love what he's done for Northwestern's program, you know, because it's been known as kind of a slouch in the Big Ten, and and the past couple of years especially, they've 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 recruited really well, you know, they've been competitive in games. It, guys like Justin Jackson, you know, they have multiple guys in the NFL now, so they're starting to produce that talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was looking through your Northwestern file. I think a lot of these athletic departments they never like take off the old players like bios. We still have your old bio <laughs> on the Northwestern website, oh, no. and it said uh, 
Your favorite song? It said it's uh, "Lean with It, Rock with it. it." Everyone remembers that. I think it was uh, yeah. the franchise boy, yep, right? Yep, right? Yep. Okay. See, for me, that was like middle school dances. Everyone was throwing it, like "Lean with It, Rock with it. Yeah. So, is that still your uh, still your favorite song no, now, no, ten no. years later? No, back then, uh, that was my freshman year that we filled it out, and yeah. uh, one of one of my best friends, his name's Todd Dockery, and he's from Atlanta. And he kind of put us on to the whole Atlanta music scene. That's when that was popular from about 05 to about 07. Oh, yeah. So all that leaning with it, rocking mm-hmm. with it. Uh, so that's why it was just something that, you know, when we went out, when we go to parties, when we hang out, that would be kind of like our theme song. So that's why I put it in there. <laughs> I enjoyed that. You know, like I said, that was when I was first coming up and like listening to music. That was like the first song that I remember everyone dancing to in their awkward middle school dance. Uh all right, so how about your favorite uh, your favorite moment in Northwestern? You were there a while, right? You yep. you had four years plus a redshirt. Yep. All right, so that's a lot to choose from, but uh, give me a memory or an experience or two that that's football stays wise with you. or could be either, you know, off field or football wise. So I would say uh, football wise, it was definitely my last game as a senior playing at Ryan Field, and we played Wisconsin. You know, it was a talented team, was ranked, sure, and we came out on top. You know, with the win, and uh, we were able to make a bowl game. So. My last game there, winning. Uh, that was probably probably uh, the best thing about it. And my my best thing in general from Northwestern was the people there, my teammates, because you know I have three really really close friends uh, that all in my wedding, and numerous other people that I still keep in touch with that are great friends. And I would just say, you know, the quality of people that were there and, and the experiences that we had together. Um, you know, I know some people talk about, hey, my school was a bit more of a party school, but we made it fun. We had a great time and. You know, I really was fortunate to be teammates and great friends with such great so people. So for Northwestern fans listening, who are those guys in your wedding that you stuck so with? So Todd Dockery, uh, Prince Quatang, and Omar Conte. So, you know, a lot of, peop- a lot of people, uh, you know, Prince Prince was a starter at linebacker. Omar had played running back, uh, shifted with, with Tyrell Sutton, and Todd was a special teams player. Um, but, yeah, I, I still talk to them every day, you know, on Snapchat, right. uh, text. So the lifelong friendships. Yeah, so uh, moving on to your professional career, you were drafted by the Bears, the hometown team. So I'm always curious, like, you know, like going away to college, like some kids like to stay close to home. Some kids, like you, you ventured out far away from uh, from home for college, but there's no say in the matter when it comes to, the, to professional leagues drafting you. So do players, like, generally like that if you're drafted by the hometown or close to hometown team, or is that something that, you know, you want to maybe get away from and, and try something new? It actually worked out perfect for me because um, my my fiance at the time she was a senior at DePaul. She was going into her senior year, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I thought we were gonna have to do distance mm-hmm. because I thought it's a one in thirty two chance I'll be in Chicago. Sure. It's probably not gonna happen. And because uh, I was rejected as a second or third rounder, Chicago, um, you know, only had a third round pick. Cause that's when they traded for Jay Cutler and all that. So I I thought, man, it's slim chance. And when it ended up working out, I'm like, this is great because I got to see all her games her last year because yeah. it was mostly in my off season, And most of her games were on Tuesdays or Thursdays. So after practice, I would come and see the games. And then in the off season, I got to catch all her games, even the NCAA tournament, because it was in the off season. So it ended up working out great. And I had a great experience like playing for Lovey Smith. That's why, uh, you know, I, I, I root for him, and I hope he does well because he's, he's such a great guy. Yeah, we'll get to Lovey in Illinois and, and Lovey on the Bears in a little bit. Um, what is what is your fiance slash wife? What did she do at DePaul? So she was a basketball player. Okay. She played on the basketball team. Um, you know, she she got drafted to WBA in the uh, second round, 
and then she played overseas in Greece. So nice. Yeah, we have a pretty athletic family. Yeah, between yeah. Uh, uh, your daughter that you've been talking about, yeah. it, I'm sure she'll uh, be on some big stage someday doing something. Yeah, that's mean, what everybody that, says. Those, those why, genetics, you know, like <laughs> why, why should just use her brain? You know, that, that's the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I always say, people say, oh, you want her to be a basketball player? I say, you know, the biggest thing I, I want her to do is is do well in school. Um, you know, do something with with her brain. You know, because. <laughs> Like I've, like I've always said, you can only use your body for so long, but sure. your brain is one of the most powerful tools. Sure. Um, so your first career sack was was Brett Favre, right? That's pretty yep. cool. Yeah, it was great because growing up, that was the guy, Brett Favre. Brett Favre, these comeback wins, you know, all these all these different things, you know, Lambo games, and going against them and getting my first sack against them was an incredible experience. You know, unfortunately, he got hurt, he got a concussion, and that ultimately ended his career. Right. But, I mean, my first sack against a Hall of Famer, I mean, it was a great feeling. You can't top that. Uh, did he say anything to you about it? Or? No, so I didn't even get a chance to see him after the game. You know, it is, like, hectic. And right. He was still out. I didn't even know if he was still on the field, so um, I didn't get a chance to say anything to him. Um, but, you know, you know, when it's out there in football, you never want anyone to get injured, but most likely football is a violent game. I'm sure he listens to this podcast and hopes he'll <laughs> take those words uh, to heart. Um, all right, so going from one – Quarterback to another, you know, you're Chicago Bear, and you are a Jay Cutler era Chicago Bear. So, I gotta ask first of all, like, I feel like pe- people when they talk about Jay Cutler, like he's gotten this rap as you know, kind of aloof and kind of this guy that doesn't care, didn't didn't try hard. I always tended to defend him and think people were too hard on him. So, like, do you lean either way? Like, were people were were the criticisms mostly right about him in Chicago or? Do you think that he, you know, mostly was a good locker room guy and, and tried his best here and it just, you know, that perception kind of got out of control? So I think he's just a different type of individual and people rub the, that rubs people the wrong way, especially because a quarterback, you want him as a leader, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cutler, super talented guy. Um, would I say he's he's a leader? He's that guy that you look to when the game's on the line? I don't believe that. And, and that's why I felt like... To be a quarterback in the NFL and be be a dominant one or be be a guy that is a leader of a team, you have to be that guy you look to when the game's on the line and he's getting you going like a Tom Brady or Drew Brees. And a guy like Josh McCown, who I play with, who's yeah. playing for the Jets now, he was the guy that came in when Cutler got hurt, and he was that leader. So Jay Cutler has never been a leader. He's never been a leader since high school, college, and that's just how it is. People knew that. Mm-hmm. you know. But his talent, what he's able to do throwing the ball – people thought it was enough to get him going, you know, and his problem was his consistency. You know, I think he was, he's arguably one of the most talented quarterbacks on paper. He can make every throw, he can do this, but his decision-making and his consistency were things that got him in trouble. And, you know, I don't have any ill will towards him. People always ask, oh, I just think he was a different type of individual, and that's just who he is. I don't think he wants to change it for anybody, and I definitely know for a fact he doesn't care about any of the criticism. (laughs) You know, that's that's one of I'm, his things. I'm glad he you said. Care. I'm glad you said doesn't care because have you heard the don't care story? <laughs> you heard you heard about that? No, no. Okay, way. okay. So the, the story goes that I think when he was at, uh, I want to say he was in Nashville or somewhere. I might I might be getting the finer details yeah. wrong, but he was in the bathroom at a urinal, and this fan comes up next to him and starts, you know, talking his ear off while he's doing his business, and is like, Jay, like I'm a big fan of yours at Vanderbilt. Went to Vanderbilt with you. Big fan of yours. And Jay is just like he leans his head back and he just says like, "Don't care." And he and he just says it in the bathroom. Then that story kind of took off and went viral. Yeah. So, one, I was wondering if you heard about that. Obviously, it didn't. Make, I, ne- make I never it to- heard about it, but it, it doesn't surprise me because <laughs> I, I just think he's one of those guys. Like, yeah. 
like to him that's not being rude that's not i think it's just his personality yeah. and uh you know it definitely rubs people the wrong way i just look at it like hey whatever i mean i was never super close to him or anything like you know but hey i mean he has friends out there he has friends that he's close with but yeah. he's just that type of person and not to make this the jay cutler podcast but do you have any other stories about him or something similar like i don't care just some something that fans out there would enjoy that might not know about him no i I really don't think so, to be honest. Like I, I, <laughs> I think all the fans have seen the book you know, is out, kind of. <laughs> yeah, you know his his, his body language, yeah. and that's a big thing. People read his body language, always talk about that. But like I said, he's a different type of individual, mm-hmm. and, and nothing against that. That's that's his prerogative. But like I said, if I'm in charge of a franchise, I want a guy that's the leader personally, yeah. because the quarterback is the most important position on the field on a team. Usually, if you have a great leader, great quarterback. Your team is going to do well. All right, let's shift it to your side of the ball on those on those Bears teams. Um, you know, you had some great defenses, and you had some great players alongside. You played alongside Hall of Famers, you had Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, etc. Um, I mean, was that defense special? And do you think when the new regime came in, like, was the you know was the identity of, of the Bears kind of changed and taken out from under you guys a little bit? So you look at 2012. We had like arguably our best year. I think one of the best years the Bears have ever had since like 85 and you know what we were doing taking the ball away top defense uh, total defensive touchdowns we were unstoppable that year and we started out the season 7-1 and one. we finished with 10 wins so we couldn't get offense going but what we were able to do defensively was just incredible and it's a credit to Lovey Smith mm-hmm. and Rob Marinelli who's now uh, coach for the Cowboys defensive coordinator and what they had they had that system run to a T and it was all about accountability. And, and Rod Marinelli is one of the best motivators I've ever had. And he was the D coordinator and D line coach. And I loved playing for him. And he really helped elevate my career. 2012, I had my most sacks seven. I probably should have had about 12. I missed a bunch, which, you know, double digits is a huge Still deal. haunting you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Because that, that year, I mean, I, I should have taken advantage, you know. Should have, would have, could have, but didn't. Um, but what we were able to do defensively. And then the next year, we basically had the same personnel and a new staff comes in, we're one of the worst defenses in the league. So I think coaching has a huge thing to do with people to say, oh, well, you know, they're NFL guys, uh, they can still play. No, coaching, motivation, it, it plays in, and, and Rod is one of the best. You look at what he's doing with the Cowboys. Sure. You know, for years they've had guys that are like, eh, you know, they don't have those star pass rushes or this or that, and they're always making plays, getting the ball out, getting these turnovers. So since that year, you know, the Bears were 10-6, like you said, uh, fired Lovey Smith because it didn't end. You know the season didn't end well like people thought. And since then, you know they've been pretty much atrocious. They've been trying to rebuild, but the, the Tressman years uh, set the franchise back. You know, could say the last five years or so. So, do you think the Bears went wrong? Was it firing Lovey Smith that, that sent the Bears on this trajectory, or, or was it all just kind of a you know mix of you had big personalities in the locker room, you had guys that were aging. Where did the Bears go wrong? Why has it been so difficult for them to compete in the NFL lately? I think Phil Emery, the GM that was there yeah. at the time, his whole goal was just changing ship, like completely wiping the roster off and starting new, kind of like what happens if a you know college coach comes in and he just wants doesn't his guys. Play. Yeah, it doesn't play. Exactly. That's what it seemed curves. like. It right. didn't matter how good somebody was playing. He kind of had the, the Jerry Angelo's guys written off. And you look at the Bears right now, they have one player on the team from 2012. That's the biggest turnover out of any. Sherrick McManus, who I played with yep. in college. Yep. The biggest turnover out of any team. And he's mostly a special teamer. He's not a you know receiver or right. anything like that. So it's it's kind of weird 
that they were just trying to change ship like that. I, I, I don't get it. I I think he was trying to just get his own guys. But if they're guys that are talented, it doesn't matter who drafted them or whatever. Are they going to get you to win games? What were the dynamics of that locker room like, especially when it was all kind of falling apart? I mean, you had – we talked about color. You had Brandon Marshall. You had Erlacher. You had – you have massive personalities, and then you got kind of a quiet coach trying to trying to trying to lead these guys. You know, a guy who has never coached in the NFL before. Just what, what were the dynamics of that locker room like? Trying to balance all those personalities while uh, things were going south. I think it was it was a battle between offense and defense in a way because offensively they loved it, right? Because under Lovey, you know, the coordinator situation offensively could never quite get figured out. You know, they they brought in. Um, uh, excuse me, from Mike Martz mm-hmm. from the Rams. Right. And, you know, his success there, they thought that would translate. It's hard to run seven-step drop unless you have a stud O-line. So they never get things going. And then Tressman comes in, and offense does really well. Defense, you think it's going to do the same, and we struggle in 2013. So I think defensively, we were frustrated. You know, we miss Lovey. I mean, I've never seen in a meeting when Lovey got fired that many grown men crying over a coach that's how much respect and how much they love playing for him. Yeah, let's talk about Lovey then. Um, you know, I went to Illinois. I was still at Illinois when he got hired there. And the mood on campus was very excited. And I think it, there's still, you know, going into the season, there still was a lot of excitement. And I don't think anyone, I think everyone understands the reality of that situation. Nobody expects Lovey Smith to turn around Illinois football in a year and a half. And uh, I'll say some of the excitement from the hire has probably dissipated a little bit. But do you think Lovey? First of all, the criticism that that I don't get of Lovey is everyone assumes he's going to jump ship for the next NFL job. So one, what do you think of Lovey Smith's fit at Illinois long term? And two, what would your message to football fans be that you know it, are they in the right hands even even though the results aren't the field on the field aren't coming right now? I think Lovey's in in a very very tough situation. I don't think he would jump ship. I think he's very happy with the college atmosphere because you don't have as much scrutiny as sure. the. NFL coach. Plus the NFL, you know, he kind of did him wrong a couple times. Exactly, exactly. And, and in the NFL, I think he I think he likes this. And the thing is, Illinois after Ron Zook, I mean, that program was was down as low as it can be. You well, know, Tim Beckman hired set him back. Yeah, set, set them back. Yeah. And then recruiting, they didn't recruit well like they did under Zook. So, you know, Lovey's dealing with some of those players that, you know, were around his – and you see he's trying to play these freshmen that are his guys. Exactly. So there is some talent there, but it's like – Youth is is hard. You have to have veteran guys in there. You know, you have to have a mix of, of youth guys. But I think you'll see. I, I you got to give him four years to get through one recruiting class. Great. And I think yeah. if he has a if he has a season where he has five or six wins, even seven, you're you're great. You have your coach, and you know he can recruit well because he's a, he's a household name. Defensively, they're always going to recruit well. I think they just need a quarterback. If they had a quarterback right now, I think they'd be in a lot better situation. Yeah, and I try to explain to people, you know, like. Lovey's not here to turn Illinois into Ohio State or Michigan overnight. You know, he's trying to turn them into Minnesota or Iowa, and then maybe eventually Wisconsin. Just get it, you know, get six, seven wins and start, you know, do it a few years. And I agree, the four years is a good benchmark because, like you said, he's got to get these guys in. Obviously, they've committed to kind of going to the full youth movement. So um, I agree. I, I think we got to sit back and watch it play out. And, and I just think the knee jerk reaction from a lot of national people or people outside the situation don't understand what the reality is on the ground there um you mentioned the grown men crying when he was fired you you know just get into why lovey had that impact on on those guys i just think the type of person he is you know football aside um he's one of those guys that like 
ask about your wife, ask about your kids, ask about, you know, your mom, your dad, everything. He just wanted to know that everything was good. And he's probably one of the most genuine guys in the world. And the thing is, like, he, he gave people so many chances to, to do well. If, if people were messing up in games and things like that, as long as it didn't hurt the team long term. And, and he just had everyone's back, you know, when it came down to it, anything. And he's one of those coaches that would do anything for you. And players felt the same way. All right, compare uh, compare Lovey to uh, your other coach. You had a couple longtime coaches, and both are obviously in the Big Ten right now. Compare Lovey to Coach Fitz. So they're completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, Lovey's more laid back, and that's what always got him criticism mm-hmm. when in Chicago, you know. But he's kind of like that Tony Dungy type of coach, um, you know, real laid back, doesn't yell. He usually has assistant coaches that, that yell at people, and Fitz is fiery, excited. You know, he gets into it, animated. And, uh, you know, I, I love playing for both of them. And, uh, you know, I think in, in, the, in the college atmosphere, fits that fits into the more college. You need a, you need a kind of motivator. You need a guy that gets people going and, and holds people accountable. That's a great personality. You look at a guy like P.J. Fleck, sure. you know, bringing him into Minnesota. I think, you know, a couple of years from now, I think they'll be contenders, just what he was able to do with Western Michigan. So having that energetic coach I love for college, you know, because I think it's, it's something where you can get on the guys a little bit more than the NFL. Right. You know, if you try that in the Might NFL, not resonate, it's, you know, yeah, it's kind of, they're, they're we saw men. Greg Schiano, you know, kind yeah, of, and like it, and he it, tried to do the rah-rah stuff and it didn't. It didn't work. Right. Everyone that I knew that played for Greg Schiano said they hated him mm-hmm. and, you know, he was, he was this and that. And uh, you just can't do that, especially as a head coach. You know, I can understand maybe as a coordinator or position coach, but as a head coach, you have to get respect to your, your locker room and your assistant coaches are the ones that, that do that yelling. All right, so uh, when I had Braylon on uh, a couple weeks ago, he told me a story uh, about a Michigan pregame tradition. They, like the offensive lineman threw up or something before every game, and it was something stupid or weird like that. So I'm curious if you have any funny stories from the locker room, from the field, either at Northwestern or uh, – or from your NFL days that you that you'd like to share that you think uh, would be podcast friendly. Um, well, the funny thing is we we I never really took like uh, like pre workout or caffeine supplements mm-hmm. before games, and then one game I decided to take a five hour energy, and uh, I'm super excited, super hyped up, and the first half I'm cruising. I got like two sacks. We're playing Ohio State. I got Terrell Pryor. Um, you know, have a couple TFLs. I'm feeling great. All of a sudden, the second half, I'm like, I feel like my heart is like beating outside my chest. I'm like, oh, no. I thought I was gonna die. Literally, like I'm just drinking water and everything. And uh, you know, I didn't know that that I guess five hour energy isn't the best uh, thing to take when you're when you're playing. And I remember just being so nervous and uh, <laughs> just crashing so bad afterwards. Like in the third quarter, I felt like I was just like. I had no energy, and I was like, I thought this was supposed to be five hours of energy. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's something that was a pretty funny story for me. Yeah, that's false advertising. If you, yeah. it's not, two and a half hours of energy doesn't do much good in a uh, college exactly. football game. Um, all right, last question, Corey, before we wrap up. Uh, in a couple of the uh, production meetings that you were walking around in these offices, uh, you had some throwback basketball jerseys on. And, you know, that's – we talked about your size earlier. I mean, that, that's a – Intimidating sight when you got a, a big guy like you rocking the uh, the little tight medium basketball jersey. So they're actually we're, we're, they're actually three X. Yeah, so but on you, you know you, you know what I mean. On you, like for, for, for any for any for normal size people, yeah. it's a three X. Um, so what's the story behind that? Is that like a collection hobby you got, or what's so the deal? I uh, 
when I was in high school, I started out uh, collecting a lot of throwbacks. And back then, we used to wear them like super baggy. It'd probably be five or six X. That was know, the tall T days. Though. Yeah, the tall T days. And then, um, you know, when I got to high school, I started, I got Jason Williams, white chocolate, mm-hmm. uh, Memphis Grizzlies jersey. And uh, ever since then, I started a collection. And when I work out in the summertime, anytime it's warm, I wear a different jersey. I probably have 20 of them. You know, I have anywhere from Allen Iverson to Carl Malone to Larry Johnson, Grandmama. Uh, so that's always been my thing. And, uh, you know, another thing, too, you know, when you're working out in the gym and, you know, you, now that I retired, I do curls pretty much every day, <laughs> arms yeah. every day. So you got to show off the guns, right. you know, and let people know that you, you still got it. Right, right. <laughs> um, those don't get itchy, though. I feel like those old 90s basketball jerseys got that itchy no, material. These, these are great. They're, they're breathable. And another thing, too, is like, you know, when you, when you have a regular shirt and you sweat in it after a while, like sometimes it's hard to get that smell out of it. And, yeah. you know, the, the breathable jerseys are the best thing because you wash them and it doesn't smell. There you go. There you go. Um, what's your favorite one if you had to pick? Oh, my favorite one. Probably the Jason Williams white chocolate because that's one that not many people have. How do you order those for your, for your side? Like, you so, have to go online? or So, actually, stuff? I traded with a with a teammate in high school, this guy, Mike G. He played for Virginia Tech. But I traded with him. I, I traded him, uh, I think it was like a George Gervin jersey or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I loved uh, Jason Williams and his passing and his handles. So, I wanted that jersey. So, I traded for him. I still had it to this day, but... I don't know where it is it's in storage or something. I gotta get it back. It's it's like ripped. The the stitching is all, but it's one of my favorites. All right, Corey. Well, uh, I know you got a show here in about twenty minutes, so I will let you go. I'm sure you got stories for days. We can keep going. Uh, we'll get you and Braylon in the same room one of these days here, and uh, we'll kind of let people see what the production meetings are like when you guys are just kind of tossing it back and forth and having fun. Oh, definitely, because, you know, me and him, <laughs> we're boys, but me and him like to disagree all the time, so it would be an interesting pro- podcast with us both on. All right, we'll, we'll get that done. Uh, appreciate you coming on today, though, and um, we'll continue to follow your work here at BTN, and, you know, if anyone out there, any any Londoners, any British TV watchers, look for them on Sky News as well. So uh, thanks again, Corey. Thanks, Mike. Thanks again to Corey for joining me, and thanks again to everyone out there for listening. And if it wasn't obvious from that chat, I don't think a lot of those guys in that Bears locker room from four or five years ago were, were Jay Cutler or big Mark Tressman fans, which shouldn't be a surprise to too many people. Um, but, you know, it's it's fun for me as a, you know, Bears fan, NFL fan, and observer to get that inside look at a locker room and, and hear it straight from the source. And especially a guy from a guy like Corey, who's, you know, super nice, but is also not going to pull any punches. He's going to be honest and, and someone who was right in the middle of all those characters and personalities that were running around here. So hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, and what's even more obvious than the locker room turmoil that, that occurred here in Chicago and Hallis Hall is uh, the fact that Corey's a great dude, a fun guy to talk to, and a guy with clearly a bright future in broadcasting. So definitely be paying attention to his contributions over here and uh if there are any londoners or british followers uh listeners of this show listening or uh watching big 10 football from afar in the uk you know you can sounds like you can watch Corey on sky sports as well so that's pretty cool but um with that we will uh wrap it up for this week gotta give a shout out as always to west white thanks for producing and thanks again to Corey taking the time and we'll talk to you next week on the take 10 podcast